You are listening to the special edition iFanboy podcast on Justice League Doom. Edition iFanboy podcast on Justice League Doom. My you name is the Connor. Giggles. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I have, I have a, once again assembled the iFanboy Animation Brain Trust, and that includes Chris Neesman. Hello. And Ryan Opt. I'm feeling animated. And of course, as always, Paul Montgomery. Hello. We get together, we talk about the DC Universe original animated films that come out. This is the 13th in the series. If you can believe it, it's 13th is Justice League Doom. Uh, written, uh, written by the late Dwayne McDuffie. We'll talk about that later. Uh, directed by Lauren Montgomery, and no it relation. is it no relation to Paul, and it is the adaptation of the Justice League Tower of Babel storyline that Mark Wade wrote almost directly after Morrison. Was it the first story after Morrison left the book way back then? I don't even remember anymore because I'm has, has ever has everyone read this? No, nope. I have read it. I've definitely read it. The, the basically premise is that Batman has a file on everyone in the Justice League. How to defeat them should they go rogue or evil or get mind controlled? Basically. He's smart in that these these are super powerful powerful beings. If they go crazy or bad, as they have almost all of them in, in some point in the comics history, how would I defeat them? And he has files. Those files in the comic are stolen by Ra's al Ghul. In the movie, they're stolen by Randall Savage. And then chaos ensues, and there's a, well, some emotional fallout from the whole thing. He's, being, basic, he's, being, he's being Batman. Basically. And that's the basic yeah. premise of the story. It, it makes a lot of sense when you consider that Mark Wade, you know, wrote uh, in his writing Irredeemable which is the whole idea of, you know, like Superman gone bad. So that's sort of where his his mind goes um, to absolute power corrupting. Absolutely. Um, worth uh, noting someone in the comments in the text review, you can read the text review on ifanboy.com, um, mentioned that Mark Wade is not listed as, you know, story by uh, on this movie. And it's not called Tower of Babel. It's called Justice League Doom. And in a lot of these films, they make an important case out of saying you know we borrowed the style of you know Mazzucchelli for the batman year one story and you know this is the big grant morrison superman story and all-star superman so it's kind of interesting that mark wade uh, and, and also reportedly didn't even get invited to the screening and probably wouldn't even get a really? copy of the dvd yeah someone wow. brought that up but on, on twitter he, he mentioned that he was totally shafted on this one so are he and DC on the outs? They're not in good terms right now. Right. Well, the, he seems to kind of just go back and forth with all of the comic companies like that. Even though I think he's a everything I've always heard is that he's a really, really well respected and liked guy in the industry. But yeah, whatever. So that is the backstory. The uh, story itself is a pretty simple one. It's actually pretty fast paced. It, it, it's almost over before you realize it. The Legion of Doom is gathered together by Vandal Savage in, in their old little swamp hangout in Louisiana with their submerged base from the old Super Friends days, and they 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 steal the they steal the info on on the Justice League and they attack the Justice League and they almost defeat the Justice League until the very end when they are defeated by the Justice League. And that's basically the story. What did we think? I want, I want you gave to, it a good, you gave it a really strong review. Anyway. I did. I really I really enjoyed it, and um, I, I I thought it was it was important to ask uh, which which of us actually read the original storyline, and and if I remember, so it was just me and Chris haven't read it. 
Right. But the but uh, you and Ryan, you, Connor and Ryan have read it. So, yes. um So that, so I think that that's sort of important to know, because some of the people who commented on the on the article said that they were sort of let down. A lot of people liked it. A lot of people were let down, though. And they mentioned that it w- wasn't a very good adaptation and there were changes that they didn't like from the original story. So eh. can you guys sort of speak to any of the changes from the storyline that, that you recall? I think there's like I like Vandal think- Savage isn't in the original comic storyline. That was uh, Rachel Ghoul. I think the biggest change I noticed was now that we've gone back to the Silver Age, Barry Allen and Hal Jordan, Flash and Green Lantern respectively, the biggest difference I noticed was the lack of Kyle Rayner and Wally West. I mean, to me, that was especially stark because you still had Michael Rosenbaum doing the voice of the Flash, even though he was doing a different Flash. Yeah, it was interesting. Well, first of all, I read the story 12 years ago. I I couldn't even tell you much Mm -hmm. about it other than the basic premise of it. I mean, it was 2000 and it's 2012 and... It's yeah. been a long. It's been a long road between here and there. Well, it, but, it was it was Hal Jordan for all of the obvious reasons. So yeah, I mean, the, the, it's interesting to, to, as as Ryan mentioned, it was the original animated cat voice cast brought back together, voicing a team that was drawn in the manner of the Young Justice cartoon in the last DC. Yes, that's what it was. And yeah, also, it's, uh, it's Phil Brusso who did the the character designs for Justice League Crisis on Two Earths. So it's sort of a continuation of that. Um, not entirely the same Justice League. I mean, they did like um, Aquaman wasn't in this one. He was in that one. Um, I was really hoping there was going to be a Deus Ex Aquaman moment where he was coming out of the swamp, but that didn't happen. Yeah, but uh, yep. Yeah, so so more towards like a kind of an uh, anime style instead of the Bruce Tim style mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. JLU and, and the JLA TV series. There was also the lineup wise, it was a, a mashup of the JLU and the current lineup in the comics right now. So it was a lot yeah. of different elements being matched <laughs> together and. and and shake it in a bag to get this this particular team, this particular production. That's one of my general nitpicks about not just this, but you know the the Justice League, how it is right now. I have nothing against Cyborg, but I don't really have anything for Cyborg either. I know it's a character that's been around what since the seventies from the New Teen Titans, but what is this weird agenda to make Cyborg? one of the heavy hitters at DC. That's that's sort of how I think about him, unfortunately, is that that like they're constantly trying to bring him up to to being one of the, the heavy hitters. And um, it, it, it kind of hurts the fact that in the comics, he's still designed the same way as he was like back in the 70s. Like it's a really kind of terrible design so i actually really like the design he had here it was it was more of an update yeah uh it was kind just, of it was kind of a bit of a ste- bit of steel in him in this one yeah uh, a usb port yeah uh, <laughs> well i mean clearly they, they, they want to have a bit more uh racial balance getting rid of john stewart means they have to have someone else and bring back hal jordan bear, bear. the very thing was weird because he, he did Rosenbaum did voice Wally West, but that was a little, that was a little bit. Thing. It was a little bit jarring because like his version of 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 Wally is so happy go lucky and manic, whereas you can you can really tell here that he's like you know being a little bit more restrained as as Barry. Well, one and thing I will say in uh, in Michael Rosenbaum's defense is that in the Justice League cartoon, Wally West is a police scientist. I don't know if you guys remember that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So there is that there is that level of continuity. No, I mean that, that, that's part of the whole mashup of it. They basically they took yeah. a bunch of different elements and they sort of smushed them together to make. And this that's team. fine. And it that's, was fine. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's, it's its own entity. It doesn't make. Really it didn't bother me. It was just it was Paul asked if there were differences that I noticed. I noticed it. I didn't. Okay, it didn't sure. Me. The main yeah, difference would be the lineup of the team and, and basically. And ninety-five percent of the people that are going to watch this have never read the the source material, and that's you know, even a lot of comic fans like. Paul and myself have never read that that source material, so I don't think it's important. I think it I think it's probably more important for it to be in the Timverse continuity than it is in actual comics continuity. I did I did laugh, Chris, thinking uh, I wasn't thinking about you specifically, but I was thinking about X Men fans because there's a scene yeah. where each of them are paired up with their nemesis and they're all running at each other, and it was like the opening credits of the '90s <sighs> X Men cartoon. I know. You know that, yeah, it's true. That was one of the other things that I was disappointed in the story about is that usually it, you always see the, you know, the, uh, the hero and their nemesis lock horns every once in a while. We'll get to see the, you know, the, the leader of the good guys say, well, the only way that we can beat them is if we, you know, is if we fight the, the, the nemesis that, you know, we're not paired against whatever. Um, right. So, you know, I wanted to see like, Hal instead of fighting Star Sapphire, him fighting you know Metallo and uh, you know Superman against uh, Vandal Savage or I was surprised you know, by that too. I kept up. waiting for it to happen. It, it just yeah. yeah you know why why isn't Wonder Woman you know fighting the uh, the the evil Martian you know or 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 whatever. So that was the one thing at the end. It was seemed it seemed very formulaic, and you, I mean you saw this story from the very beginning through the end. It's like okay, they're going to get totally owned by the Legion of Doom, and then they're going to come back and they're going to you know flip the the switch and and uh, and beat up their their counterparts. And that's exactly what happened. But it was very entertaining to get there, but it was pretty predictable. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think for me it fell smack in the middle of the pack of movies yeah in that there were good bits of it and how things about it i liked but for the most part it was kind of by the numbers um and well, I don't are we are we still saying that the that the crisis is the the best out of them that's that was my that's been my favorite i think that's been yours i don't know that that's i i, I ranked them a while ago and i don't even remember what i ranked at the yeah. top i probably ranked um green lantern <laughs> uh, shut I, up I, I, public, I, I, public enemies right underneath it you you guys like the um, Justice League New Frontier? Yeah, that's what my that's, uh, yeah. that that's sort of in the middle for me. I I I would hold like, well, uh, that is like wrong. Wonder Woman and um, uh, Under the Red Hood as as some of my favorites. And I, and I also like Batman Year One as a character study just for the the Jim Gordon stuff because Cranston's so great in that. But yeah. what was the one with the the fourth world the the fourth world stuff the uh, the with the uh, super the, apocalypse uh, Superman super, Batman Supergirl. apocalypse. I really like that. Yeah. I would say of the Justice League movies, this would might be at the bottom. Really? I don't know. I think yeah. I think that. It, I mean, I don't know why it just felt very rote, um, and hopefully it's not because the movies are becoming rote. It's just because this particular one was rote, but it just didn't have anything that really struck out at me, story wise. And I mean, it's just kind of like you bad guys meet, bad guys fight. The win the first battle, they lose the second battle. The movie's over. And 
It didn't have anything really particularly interesting that you, went you, on. There, you so did it. have the the kind of geeky fanboy moment of the Legion of you know Doom headquarters rising out of the swamp, and I was like, all right, that's kind of cool. You know, I'll never get ever get tired of seeing that just because that that does scratch all of the you know the 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 fanboy itches uh, and the, the nostalgia factor. Um, but one of the you know they redesigned it, and they actually did a lot of character redesigns how did you guys how did you guys like those like uh mirror master mirror master is a that's a really interesting case because it's a very different characterization for mirror master i mean it's a different look i mean it's it's the same color palette (laughs) i don't think he was snorting coke at any point during the movie right uh, I, but I found him like really unsettling because uh, Ale- uh, Alexis Denisov was playing him so calm and collected, mm-hmm. and he had kind of like a Hannibal Lecter thing going. Um, like I mean, he's he's basically says he's got a dead grandmother in a box. Yeah, that was that was actually <laughs> was very like, whoa. Creepy. And so it's <laughs> like there's sort of a kind there's like a, a dissonance between he's like he's not you know like a raving lunatic. He's completely collected, yeah. but then he's saying this really creepy stuff so that makes him even creepier. Um, so I, that that's one in particular that I liked a lot. I liked his look a lot. That yeah. His suit was basically see through, but yeah. not in the he's naked. But like he, you could see the back of his arm and you could see the back of his leg. I liked that aspect of it. Yeah, because I, I love the original Mirror Master character design. The the, the Infantino design I think is great. Mm-hmm. So it was a little a little off putting. But I think we had mentioned the the cyborg update and that looked it looked updated. You know, and yeah. Just that, uh, that Metallo was, looked cool. I thought yeah. um, I like it's a why well, I mean why you know they always you know do like a like a very straight up like android design like he's the same dimensions as a human because he's underneath like a like human flesh and and clothing and stuff so in in this one they make him actually burst out of the human form and he's this bigger sort of like an iron giant kind of look yeah. Um, yeah. but really Top really heavy. creepy look <laughs> Top heavy yeah and lanky limbs and stuff I thought that was great uh really weird <laughs> I'm just thinking about i'm thinking about the really weird scene where he's uh where they're toasting each other they're having a little celebration in the uh the hall of doom and they're, they're all <laughs> drinking wine that was that was an odd scene um <laughs> cheetah had a cool way. look australian for some weird reason i don't know uh, oh Cla- version of the because, character because Cla- because claudia black is fucking awesome that's why i know she, she's she's a, a notable voice actress who's kind of an interesting choice um it's i, I mean it works it. it's just uh, loved it Okay, Look, she's Australian. Fine. Any other Farscape fans here? I just get sure. excited anytime that Claudia Black is in anything. Mm-hmm. So, that's all. <laughs> I, I thought Bane had a really weird costume. It looked like he put on a tank top sideways. That's kind but of I, close to what he you know normally wears. I, I saw it, it just didn't work for me. It, want, one I thing I want that's my Bane in a trench coat, and I don't want to be able to understand a word he's saying. <laughs> Uh, is this the f- this is the first movie of the Justice League since since the DC reboot, right? We've had the we've had uh, yeah. Batman Year, year one. one. Yeah, this was this was a movie that really had me thinking about what, and I don't want to turn to, turn into a uh, show about the reboot, but uh, what a mis- misfire most of the redesigns were in the reboot when they should have gone towards the animated way of simplification and and mm-hmm. and sort of focusing on the the classic elements of the costumes rather than the overly designed, overly busy, overly detailed costumes. They yeah, went I mean, with they're, they're, they're all, I mean, here they're all very modern designs. They're very sleek looking. They're not too convoluted, which is, you know, a lot of the, the Jim Lee designs are kind of like, why would you give all of the artists so much work to do? 
I mean, all those extra lines on Batman's costume. I mean, they're just. It, it seems to me when I when you watch these animated versions, they get the characters right and they get the looks right, and they're, they're clean and classic, and yeah. they're that way for a reason. Yeah, they're 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 clean and classic without looking like played out and and too traditional. They're not, you know, playing too close to like the golden age or anything. They look like of like very modern updates of of that classic yeah. look. You know, D- Denny O'Neill talked about uh, Batman and just the mystique of that character. And one of the things that he that he mentions a lot is the silhouette. It's it's that silhouette of that character that is so striking. And I think whenever you try and go inside the silhouette and fill it in with all of uh, a bunch of your own noodling, you you miss what makes those characters look classic and mm-hmm. the, the animated team and Connor nails it, the, the, the Tim verse. And you have to imagine that he's a big part of that. It, Bruce, Tim understands the classic appeal of those characters. So while, while we're on the subject of Batman, um, uh, one of our readers, uh, Dave Carr asked us, do we agree with what Batman did here? Of so course, hell yeah. The whole, the whole thing is it's a you know it's uh, it's seen as a betrayal by the Justice League, the the rest of the team that like that he went in and sort of took advantage of their weaknesses and and laid out for someone how to defeat them and it almost led to their death. So you I see, have a I contingency plan right now to take care of all three of you by the end of this show if I have to. Yeah, I was waiting for Paul. And to I just saw that good planet. You stole my joke, Chris. <laughs> no, Ryan, Ryan, when did you read this story? How how long ago? Uh, it wasn't 2000, but it was more recent than that, but not. I could be misremembering, and I could pro- probably am, but I think the, the whole point of the story was to bring them closer together. And so by the end of the story, they had all revealed their identities to each other, and they all knew they all knew each other better than they did before. That could be another Justice League story I'm misremembering. That was in the, but, that was in the animated that they did. I know, that. They, they, they happened in the comics as well, but... I, I don't have a problem with it because he's right. I mean, these you know, Superman goes rogue or gets mind controlled, which he has. You should be, they should know how to take him down. Just Hal Jordan's gone crazy. You know, Wonder Woman's gone mad. I mean, all these characters at some point or another have had to be taken down. So why shouldn't the one guy with no real powers have a plan to do it if he's got to be the one to do it? Yeah. Now his only problem was security. Clearly, he needed a better <laughs> firewall. Yeah. You, you should have you um, shouldn't have used password as a password. Um, so like, but you know, better or worse than what he did in say Identity Crisis, because you know Batman's known for making these kind of calls. You know, like in Identity Crisis, he had Zatanna wipe people's minds, right? It's better because in, in Identity Crisis, it was actual physical or or tele, tele, telepathic. Yeah. Um, you know, intrusion into people's minds and yeah. bodies, whereas this was just he he had files. Yeah, he actually he violated them in Identity Crisis. This one, he just planned to neutralize them. And, you know, and he kept making the point over and over. It's like I didn't have plans to kill any of you. They were all plans to to basically take you out of the game. And it was Vandal Savage who who changed that. So I mean, he yeah, he never planned to kill anyone. Do you do you buy the uh, other team members' uh, anger at him, or like wanting Batman off the team? No, it's Batman. How could you? How could you? How could you expect? Do you just feel like, yeah, it's Batman. Have... It's fine. Well, it, it, how could you? Look, it's like when Josh says something that. really racist, and we're all just like, it's Josh. It's fine. You said it out of the show. <laughs> well, I, mean, I think I think it could have been portrayed better in the movie, but I think that's a consequence of not having enough time. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, they were upset, but they weren't totally upset because ultimately I think it's not a huge betrayal what he did. 
and then they only had five minutes to deal with it. So three of those minutes were the credit sequence. So they they didn't have a whole lot of time to deal with. I mean, it was funny. I was watching the clock as I was watching the movie, and we we didn't even get into the revelation of what had happened until like three quarters of the way into the movie. I mean, there wasn't a ton of time to deal with what Batman had done because we'd already done 60% of the film. Well, you know, it, it fell it fell into the trap of uh, big team movies because you either focus on one or two characters and make them the, the center point or you divvy things up into a bunch of little mini-sodes and that, you know... That's going to be the big problem with the Avengers live-action movie that comes, yes, you know... You, you, that's gonna you be, think? Uh, that's going to be the big question. <laughs> that's, yeah, it's, you know, why isn't my guy getting more screen time? And I think that's what, what this animated kind of kind of fell into, is that we had the, the segmented views of each character's story, and I guess Batman was the main... If there was one main character, it was Batman, but yeah. there wasn't enough of of Batman to make it, you know, really pay off. You know, I, I enjoyed it. It was it was kind of like reading a pretty good Justice League story. It's not one that's going to be, um, you know, held up on a pedestal for for years and years and years. But no, I, I enjoyed it. Well, let, let me let me just quickly defend my 4.5 star rating here out of, out of five. I think the reason that I rated it so so strongly was that I sort of looked at it as as a writing challenge, as you know the as as an adaptation of something that obviously had a lot of characters. It's a big ensemble story, as you said, and I feel like in these these last two Dwayne McDuffie adaptations, this and All Star Superman, he was saddled with adapting some really big stories. Like you know, then All Star Superman is a twelve issue maxi series. It's episodic, but he made it feel like a film, and it worked. It's not a perfect film, and neither is this a perfect film. But I think he made the smartest choices. I, I feel like he structured it structured it well. I, I was I was happy with it. I was actually I was glad that it, it wasn't just the individual trials for each of the team members because again, I didn't read the original story. So just going in completely blind on what the story is, I thought it worked in that, okay, we've 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 got gotten through these individual trials for each of the characters. You know, we have Cyborg weaving in throughout and then you have the bigger Vandal Savage storyline, which always, it, you know, it's always cool to see like, you know, the big space thing where Superman's going after a missile. Although that sequence was, was pretty cool. And it wasn't Superman who saved the day there. It was Hal Jordan for the most part, like making this big shield. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a cool set piece, but mostly what I liked about it was that, uh, what I want out of a Justice League story is great relationship stuff where the characters are all interacting. And I think that's sort of the maybe the fanboy thing that we get out of a Justice League story is seeing our favorite characters that we have in their own solo books come together and interact in interesting ways. So seeing Cyborg interact with Wonder Woman, seeing uh, Batman put down Superman. I thought all those moments were really great. And, and it comes off of Dwayne McDuffie spending so much time on the Justice League TV series and, and Justice League uh, Unlimited um, and knowing those characters so well. So I think that's what really endeared me to this movie. I stand with you. Like I, I support the 4.5 rating. I think I like this a lot better than Connor and Chris seem to. I didn't dislike for lot, it. For a lot of those reasons. <laughs> I well, really I like the, 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 most, the, so. the, uh, the Royal Flesh Gang um, sequence I thought was great. I, I have a issue with that sequence, but other than really? the issue. Was it about diamonds or... No, it was. There's a scene where she's flying backwards on her card, but the jets are still pointing behind her. 
<laughs> I was like, that that was slowing yourself down. I guess so. Well, also that missile that Vandal Savage fired would have been traveling faster than the speed of light to reach the sun as quickly as it did. But so yeah. so, so the science guy for for the for the science guy, how did you uh, how did you like how um, Barry got rid of his bomb? I thought that was. I mean. It's as fine an explanation as we were going to get, I, I suppose. So I was cool with it. I mean, these movies, you know, Bruce Tim and that whole studio always pays, plays pretty fast and loose with the laws of physics. You almost have to, to be able to, even for Batman, to be able to fight the way he does. Physics just doesn't really work, so I roll with it. But there are times where there are glaring enough errors. And the fact that Superman even said right after the bomb went off, okay, we've got eight minutes to deal with this getting to Earth. And I'm like, but it didn't take you eight minutes to even get to the sun in the first place. So the distances, <laughs> the distances between the Earth and the sun were a little ridiculous. But it's leap day, so who knows what's going on? I don't know where we are. Exactly. I will say the uh, characterizations and the voice cast, of course, was stellar. Awesome. This is a cast that does, that does what they do. And I think, I think uh, Nathan Fillion is a great Hal Jordan. From that point of view, it was it was a wonderful. You know, the last movie we had was the Batman movie, which which had a gr- most of a great cast. The problem was the main character was was badly cast. But well, I well I uh, would contend that the main character is, is yeah, Gordon, so, yeah. But, the, but yeah, the, Batman. The one the one A character, right. the the the, ti- the the character in the title was badly cast. But this was you know, I like as much as I like seeing the different interpretations of you know different actors doing different characters. I like seeing new Batman and new Superman. You know, there's something to be said for Tim Daly and, and Kevin Conroy, and something to be said for Rosenbaum and 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 all this. You know, uh, who's the woman that plays Susan Eisenberg? Uh, plays one. Susan Eisenberg. And um, all those all those originals are Dave great. Dave also asked um, uh, if we miss um, John Stewart in these movies at all. If we do, we prefer Hal Stewart, Hal, Hal Jordan, excuse me, in the lineup or Hal Stewart or, would be great actually. If can, bring back Hal Stewart. Can, can <laughs> I? It, can I admit how um, how stupid I was? I thought whenever they um, they showed John Jones, I thought that was John Stewart for a minute. Oh, when he was in human form. <laughs> yeah. That was really cool because we never really saw that. And I think if we've ever seen that before, he's been the the white guy detective. So they have a, they yeah. have a black John Jones yeah. as a detective. At one point and, in Justice League Unlimited, he was an Asian man. That's true. Or wasn't he an Asian woman or something? He might have been an Asian woman. They got married. There was an old, they were an old couple. Yeah, no, he had a whole life. He had a whole life. He's he had his a own whole life. It was like the it was ahead. like the the next generation episode. Where, anyways. Um, well, one thing's one of the things about the the car the cartoon I remember from doing the the articles I used to you know yeah. watch all the shows is they hardly ever showed the private lives of the characters in that show. Mm. So you hardly ever saw them out of costume. I had except for very few times. I had I had a great laugh when it's you know it's John Stewart's birthday in this in this bar and they bring out the birthday cake with all the candles. There was <laughs> lots of funny stuff yeah. actually. Oh, that was great. That was funny. Batman was funny. Alfred, I thought it was a great yeah. Alfred. Good Alfred moments. There was, there, was, yeah. there was some good stuff in it. Um, you know, it was it was good. I did I wouldn't I didn't give it a bad review. I certainly wouldn't put it with the with the Green Lantern movies yeah. or anything like that. <laughs> well, to actually, but, uh, to actually answer the question, um, no, I didn't miss John Stewart. I love John Stewart in the Justice League cartoon, but the thing that I always yes. felt that John Stewart was lacking was that he was kind of a ring and bubble Green Lantern or a, a beam and bubble Green Lantern. Yes. He didn't actually do a whole lot. There's like one scene where he makes a drill. But this Hal Jordan, the way he fought and used the ring, I thought worked really well. And he did a lot of inventive stuff. <laughs> I particularly liked it when he was in the mine shaft and he shoved his fist onto the ground to make a construct come up out of the ground at a different yeah. place. Like Things like that cool. were really cool. No, I, I didn't miss him because we had four or five seasons of yeah. him. And I'm a, Hal, I'm a Hal Jordan guy. You know, this is not, I mean, these aren't Tim vs. movies. I think a lot of people get hung up on that. These aren't, you know, these are these are their own things. So it's nice to see 
other characters as long as they're never Kyle Rayner. Mm. And I think I, th- I, th- and I think it's it's a, it's great that sort of Nathan Fillion has taken on like the Tim Daly, Kevin Conroy thing where he is he is their he's, go-to Green Lantern now. He's Green Lantern. Um, and I think he loves being Green Lantern. You, you guys yeah. need to watch this Daily Show episode that I sent you. Trust me, you'll you'll get a laugh. Um, any other discussion topics, Paul? From uh, no, I think we're good. But uh, but you know they did they did mention um, you know we should talk about Dwayne McDuffie. Did anyone else get a chance to watch the the documentary that's on the disc? Not yet. Okay, it's there's a there's a really really great kind of just heartbreaking documentary called uh, League of One: The Dwayne McDuffie Story, and I talk about it at length in uh, in a text review. But it because it just uh, it really surprised me because I I didn't know what to expect. Is it going to be this kind of fluff piece? And and just for for anyone who doesn't know, Dwayne McDuffie, um, comics writer and animation writer, he's written for Ben Tan. He wrote for uh, JLA JLU. Um, all of the the sort of comics related uh, DC related um, animated stuff and, and Static Shock of course, um, and they they uh, talk about how he wrote the Static Shock pilot. You know, so it's like a I guess like twenty some page pilot because it was a half hour show. He wrote it in a day, like and then if that's like you know if it's one episode or something fine, but like the first episode and it's a great episode too. And they also talk about how he he went to to college really early. Like they mentioned, he took classes like when he was ten or twelve years old. I I haven't found a lot of information on that, but um, that's what they seem to be saying. And and he was basically he wanted to be a physicist and he wanted to be an astronaut, but he was uh, six five, so he couldn't you know be on a space shuttle. Yeah, he's that's too, too tall. He's just too big. So uh, he's a, no, he's huge. I met him at a, at a party once, and he. He made me feel small. Mm. Wow! Which I'm at six three is no small feat. No, he, it's it's really heartbreaking. He was a he was a very big guy in the community. Everyone loved oh. him. You, you talked to him. I saw him speak a couple of times. I used to go to the screenings of these movies at the Paley Center in New York when I lived in New York, and he used to often go to those and speak afterwards. At, you know the Q and A, and he was really well loved amongst the community. And he was a you know great writer. I I, I hesitate to to make any assumptions on whether or not this was a first draft or, or whatnot because I think his other films have been much stronger his other films in this in this series but I think you know as much as I didn't love this one I, I liked it and his other films were great and he's you know he's a voice that's going to be that will be missed and I yep. I'm looking forward to, see, to watching the documentary as soon as we're done with yeah, this yeah there's a, a you know a lot of a lot of great talking heads in there there's um uh Joe Kelly um who worked with him on some of the Ben 10 stuff ben 10. yeah um and he, it's also his uh, Action Comics 775 is going to be the next uh, DC animated movie, Superman versus the Elite, they're calling it. Then uh, his his wife, Charlotte, who also wrote for animation. Well, it's Dennis Cowan. Dan DiDio is on there a bit. They don't talk a whole lot about his time at DC, which is understandable because that was a pretty frustrating time, as yeah. I understand it. Um, they talk about, I mean, there's even a section that's on his Marvel years. Considering how publicly he was, yeah, he was exactly. about how awful it was. So, right? so they, but they talk about, you know, his Marvel years, and I was kind of surprised to see that pop up as like, it was, I mean, it's a big like chapter header, the Marvel years, and they talk about uh, Deathlock, and they talk about the formation of Milestone, and it's a, it's a, a lengthy documentary. Oh, he's one of the how yeah, he's one of the few people that has been able to write uh, an engaging Fantastic Four in the last twenty years. They don't they don't actually talk about Fantastic Four, which I was surprised because that was his big like his wish list thing. Um, yeah. he, before he got that gig, he'd said that that was one of the things he really wanted to do was write for the FF. So, but it's it's a it's a great documentary. It's it's I mean I was kind of tearing up by the end because the guy was sort of. I mean, he, what was he? Fifty years old, something like that. 
He was way got, too young. He died like right after his, his his birthday. It was a surgical complication. Everyone expected him to to pull through. It wasn't like emergency surgery, so it was it was a big surprise. A couple of days beforehand, apparently, he met with Samuel L. Jackson's people, and they wanted him to write features, like they wanted him doing like live action stuff, I guess. And uh, his career was really you know taken off, and uh, just not nearly enough time and not nearly enough acclaim. Because the guy just really understood a lot of like what makes great team books, I think, and great team superhero stories. I, I think as much as Bruce Tim is should be credited for the Justice League cartoon, I think should McDuffie should be as well. He he wrote a good portion yeah. of the, the episode, some of the best ones. I, you know, the he really got that that team, as you said. But he also he he crafted this. I mean, these are famous, famous, famous characters. And for way more people than read the comics, the the cartoon is the, is their yeah. Justice League. Well, and so it's, it's, and that's kind of his, it's, a lot of his his. Doing. It's kind of what we were talking about with the costumes. Is that you know if you boil those down, they're they're clean and they're classic for for you know, a reason. And I think that Dwayne McDuffie understood why these characters appeal to people, and so his versions of of the JLA were versions that appealed to people because he understood what was at the core of each character and what made them tick. Yeah. Whenever you start leaping, you know, heaping on, you know, tons and tons of baggage onto these characters that honestly people don't and shouldn't care about, that's that's when you start to lose interest. And McDuffie just got to the heart of what made these characters great. And that's why he was he was a great comic book and and you know animated writer. He's gonna be missed. I think one of the one of the big testaments to his impact on on how people view uh, comics in the mainstream and the zeitgeist really. Um, back when they announced that uh, it was gonna be Hal Jordan and uh, what's his face in uh, the Green Lantern live action movie. Ryan, Ryan Reynolds, Reynolds, yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Uh, it was going to be Ryan Reynolds casting that role. Um, a lot of people on the internet were outraged because they made Green Lantern white because they thought <laughs> the Green Lantern was a black guy named John Stewart, and that's sort of like I mean that's it's sort of telling of of his impact and also just um, maybe the state of, of of what people know in the zeitgeist about uh, comics and and the characters in general that you know they weren't aware of Hal Jordan but still a lot of people embraced that character and that was very important that there be a black character that you know wasn't a goofy sidekick or you know like or named black something or name black something or, or even in the, the cyborg role as like the, the, you know, hanging on kind of guy. Um, this was a, a major character in the justice league. Well, John Stewart was the best character in the first season of the justice. Oh, league. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, by far he had the best story. He had the best backstory, the most interesting characterization. And he was, I mean, he got the most screen time. He was the best character. There's like that, that whole episode that, that starts the- off with him practically being shaft. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Where he's just yeah. walking. No, it was, it was, Walking through his old neighborhood, big trench coat. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. He will be missed. And, that, um, and the, you know, on, on the cyborg thing, I was thinking they've been trying to do this for years because at the, at the end of the you know the challenge of the super friends that that went through several different uh, iterations and the superpowers, the superpowers yeah. that they 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 tried to to you know introduce cyborg as being you know the the new member of the of the Justice League. So this has been going on for decades. What they need, what they really need to do is is justify it in a story fashion because really that's where the only, only time people will accept it is when they give it a reason and they give them a great story. Well, is, that, is that what they're trying to do with the Justice League comic right now? I I stopped reading well, it, but no, but he hasn't been. He's been in the background of that whole yeah. comic. Yeah. He hasn't even. Yeah. He hasn't even wasn't even in the last issue at all. 
you know, they, they brought Steele to the Morrison team and they gave him a great moment and a great story. And that put him on. No one, after that, no one questioned why Steele was on the Justice League. They just need they need to give Cyborg a reason to be there rather than just to be there. Um, and once they do, they figure it out and it's fine. But they have to do it. They haven't. Yeah, done and it yet. One, one of the questions I sorry I forgot was that do we think that based on based on the ending of this movie, and I guess it possibly mirrors what happened in the comics, maybe. Do we think that this is sort of a setup for how they're going to approach Justice League stories in the future? That Batman is ostracized from the no, league and uh, that Cyborg is on the no, team? because if they exist on their own unless they're part of a series like the two... Um, well, I mean, yeah, you, have a, you have a visual tie-in with Crisis on Two Earths. I don't think it's part of the series. I think Crisis series, on Two Earths actually takes place in the JLU cartoon series because at the end of just yes. uh, Crisis on Two Earths, they actually start forming the Justice League Unlimited. So that's, I think Crisis on Two Earths is the bridge between uh, the first... Well, it, it, was originally meant, it was originally meant, that's what it was written. It was the TV movie that they were going to yeah, do to bridge exactly. it. They made it, but I, I think they play a fast loose whether yeah. or not it was or not. It can be if you choose to be, but I don't think any of these movies, except for Public Enemies and the Apocalypse. other one, Apocalypse, I think, unless they state that they're part of a series, these are all separate worlds, separate characters, yeah. separate Earths. I mean, I, 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 I'm sure that they do have some sort of you know loose you know, roadmap or, or loose set of rules, but I think the big thing is that they're just out there telling stories, and honestly, I'm much more... Uh, pro story than pro continuity. You know, I don't care if they mm -hmm. change up voice actors or if they bring John Stewart back to be Green Lantern for a movie. That's fine as long as they're telling you know cool JLA stories. Isn't that all that really matters? Yep. I mean, there have even there have been plenty of instances where Batman or Superman are not officially on the Justice League, but it's kind of an on call. I'll be there if you need me. Thing yeah. so. If they wanted to do another movie with the uh, Justice League and Batman wasn't officially part of the Justice League, it's one throwaway line to say, oh yeah, Batman's on reserve duty right now because he's dealing with something in Gotham. Like, they don't have to reference this movie at all. Agree. Yeah. Well, the next one is Superman versus the Elite, as Paul said yep. earlier. It's an adaptation of Superman 775. Uh, what's so funny about Truth, Justice, and the American you call? You nailed it. In 2010, this was your number three on your list of uh, top ten most wanted Original it's a great movies. Superman. It's a great Superman story. Huh. So hopefully the, it'll be good. It's probably comes out in the summertime, yes. which is usually when the second one comes out. And then supposedly Dark Knight Returns is next, but they haven't actually said anything since the announcement, the first announcement. Ha in uh, is, is there any sort? Did we kind of figure out the cycle at some point where it's like a JLA, a Superman, a Batman, and then another character? Well, you got it. Well, then you can throw Superman, Batman into the thing too. Yeah. It also depends on what's going on. We got a Green Lantern movie because it's a Green Lantern yeah. film. I'm ready for I'm uh, ready for a Flash movie. I think we have to get a Flash film probably for that. Yeah, happen. I would I would I I'm personally ready for a Flash animated movie. I think would be cool. After Dark Knight Rises, War. do we know what DC is doing next? Film wise, they have something in development. They wouldn't tell me what. I talked to someone and I said, "You have something in development that's not Superman or Batman." They said, "Yes." Ooh. I did notice that said, the the logo at the beginning of the movie is not the new logo. They have not implemented that yet. Yeah, they didn't. Well, it's probably too early. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, too early. In it, so. oh, yeah, I, was just, I was curious to see what it would look like in in movement, but I didn't get it. I'm. I assume we'll see on the next one. Superman versus the Elite. We'll be back for that. Wait, wait for that Metal Men movie. Make it happen. <laughs> Chris will hold his breath. In the meantime, you go to fmway.com. You can read Paul's uh, text review, where he gives uh, Justice League Doom 4.5 out of five stars. And you can go to fmway.com for all of our daily uh, comic book content, as well as our weekly podcast. 
can check out Chris's podcast around comics. You can check out Science, sort of, from from Ryan. You can check out Fuzzy Typewriter from Paul. We're all over the internet. You can check us all out. In the meantime, we'll talk to you in the summertime when we reconvene to discuss Superman vs. the Elite. Summertime. We'll talk to you then. Tell me again, Paul. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two. I'm fire you. <laughs>